The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. We are in the fourth week of our study over the book of Esther. And if you haven't noticed yet, there's, there's a spoiler alert coming up here. We're four days away from Valentine's Day. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take an opportunity to play into kind of our calendar. And even though the book of Esther doesn't necessarily highlight marriage, it's not a theme that we find in there. Uh, Unlike the previous weeks where we see humility in Mordecai, we see pride and anger in Haman. Unlike those previous weeks, the, the, the theme of marriage really isn't in here, but it's timely and it is referenced in chapter one, at least. Uh, And so we're going Going to capitalize on that, okay? So uh, husbands, wives, single people in the room. I know Valentine's Day for most of us is really just kind of an anxiety attack. Are we gonna do something? Are we gonna exchange gifts? Is it gonna be romantic enough? Is this gonna happen? Uh, and so I just want everyone to take a breath, okay? I don't want anyone to assume that you know where we're going with this message, I want to take a look at a couple verses out of chapter one in the book of Esther. And then I want us to engage in just a conversation about marriage and one specific aspect of it. And that one aspect uh, comes in how I've titled the message today. And, And here, if you're ready, drum roll, please. The title of the message is, Wives, Respect Your Husbands. Wives, Respect Your Husbands. And now gentlemen in the room, especially if you're sitting next to your wife, do not get overly excited. Your response to this message today could really determine whether or not your Valentine's Day is good or not. I want everyone to take a deep breath. The single people in the room who go, why did I even come today? This principle, this idea of wives respecting husbands, it is found in scripture I believe it is something that we all need to know and understand. And those who are married or desire someday to be married, it's something we need to try and apply to our lives. And I understand immediately that there's a little bit of pushback for anyone who's sitting in the room that doesn't feel comfortable with this topic. I want you to know, one, I plan to be very gentle. This is not going to be a slam the Bible down, scream message. Not, not gonna go there, not appropriate. Uh, to the women in the room who don't really wanna hear a message about respecting their husbands right now, especially from a man, okay? I want you to know that today, think of me as Jedediah Doubtfire. I am a 60-year-old woman that is here to talk about a subject that you would receive very well from a 60-year-old woman, and might push back a little bit from a 38-year-old guy. So just to think of me as a grandmother who has some advice that we all need to hear, and that advice is that wives, you should respect your husbands. And I want to start where we should, and that's in the book of Esther. Okay, so we're going to begin there, chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, just so that we can be honest and hold, hold ourselves accountable to the fact that this was initially taken from our study of the book of Esther. Chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. 
It says, then Mumumkin replied in the presence of the king, that's Xerxes, and the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong, not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and the peoples of all the provinces of King Xerxes. Pause there. Um, what had she done that was so wrong? What did Vashti do to get her people all worked up? Well, King Xerxes had told or invited or summons really Queen Vashti to come to the seventh day of his big banquet. And he wanted her to come so all of his male friends at the banquet could look at her because it says she was lovely to look at. She didn't want to be a piece of meat, so she didn't go. You don't tell the king no, especially in Persia at this time. So she's in trouble, and now the king's trying to figure out what to do with her. Verse 17, for the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, and so they will despise their husbands. And they'll say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she would not come. This very day, the Persian and Median women of nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end, no end to the disrespect and the discord. Let's pause there. Um, do you hear the men whining? We can't allow this, king. Your, your queen didn't come. And if she doesn't come, then my wife's not gonna respect me when I summons her. It's really silly but they're worried these these women start acting on their own this this could be terrible for our marriages for our families for our position within the city we, we got to do something about this verses 19 and 20 therefore if it pleases the king let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of persia and media which cannot be repealed that vashti is never again to enter in the presence of king xerxes and let the king give her royal position to someone else who's better than her. There's a good precedent. Then when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all his vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. Now there's a picture of healthy marriage, right? Need a royal decree for your wife to respect you. Got to take care of this, Xerxes. We're going to have some discord on our hand. All of our wives won't respect us. This is going to be terrible. What, what are we going to do? Well, that's the end of our time in the book of Esther today. And if you're tracking with me, we have a bunch of men who are whining because they really don't have the kind of relationship with their wife that they want to have. But I, I will say this, the principle, the biblical principle of a wife respecting her husband, it's one that we need to take seriously. It's one that can be found in scripture and it's one that I think is foundational to a healthy marriage. But you know where we're going. So let me just address the husband in the room right now who's going, yeah, there's no decree in the world that you could give that would make my wife respect me. She just ain't gonna do it. And we can talk about it. We can go to church and hear about it. We can uh, have someone decree it. But um, if God himself decreed that my wife was supposed to respect me, uh, she just ain't gonna do it, Todd. But here's the issue. God did decree it. God did call wives to respect their husbands. It's found in Ephesians 
chapter five, verse 33. And that's really where we're gonna land today. Ephesians chapter five, verse 33, it says this. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. That's talking about husbands. And the wife must, a command, must respect her husband. A wife must respect her husband. So let's just start breaking that down then. What is respect? What does it mean for a wife to respect her husband? This is what God desires. Well, dictionary.com, which of course is where we go for all of our definitions of especially biblical terms, says that respect is to hold in esteem or honor. To hold in esteem or honor. So wives, honor and esteem your husband's. Honor them, esteem them. Oh, great. How? Like with plaques? You're the greatest husband ever. I bestow this honor upon you. Maybe, maybe women should be throwing parades, right? For their husbands. If I'm supposed to esteem and honor you, then we'll give you a parade. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you need a present every once in a while because you're this amazing husband and there's some of the guys in the room going, that'd be Cool. Yeah, I, I agree with the Bible and dictionary.com. My wife should esteem and honor me in a parade. Sounds wonderful. I will have it in April. The problem is, the problem is that every guy that's sitting here wants to be respected. You see, God actually created us that way. But if, if that's not the way that we're supposed to respect with prizes and parades, if that's not what we're supposed to do, then, then how do we respect? Wives, how do you respect your husbands? Well, when I'm doing a wedding ceremony, one of the things that I love to do is, is challenge the bride and the groom. And to the groom, I say, you need to love and protect your, your wife. And then to the wife, I say, you need to be your husband's biggest fan. You need to be his cheerleader. And now I've offended some more people, you know, like, oh, great. So that's the wife's role is the rah, rah, shish, that I'm supposed to have my pom-poms and just that's, that's my role then is to make sure that he knows he's awesome. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I will tell you this, wives, every man in the room, they won't acknowledge this, but they would love that. They would love to feel respected by their wives. A wife who says, that's my man. I love him and he's awesome. And I'm gonna let the whole world know about it. Men are simple creatures. To be told that, to feel that, to be honored in that way, that is respect to us. You're my man and I love you. And I want to be with you and I don't need you to change nothing because I respect you, who you are. And to a man, respect matters. That macho respect is all, all that you got on the streets. Well, no, it's what we're hardwired to gravitate towards. But church, this is the point where it all comes crashing down. 
Because in Ephesians chapter five, verse 33, the NIV, which is what I just read to you, it says the wives should respect their husbands. The Greek word there, and I don't do this very often, but it's important for today. The Greek word there is phobeo, spelled like Fabio. So for those of you who are old enough in the room, you can remember it this way. Wives, you should Fabio your husbands. You should respect them in this way. The, the word phobeo is used 93 times in scripture, 93 times, it's, that's quite a bit. 90 of those times, at least in the King James version, that word is translated to be afraid. So if you're tracking with me, okay, this is gonna get weird for a second. Wives, be afraid of your husbands. 90 times it's translated that way. One time here in the King James version in Ephesians 5.33, the King James translates it, wives revere your husbands. And I think that's a perfect translation of the Greek word. The NIV says respect, I think really only to try and clarify a little bit more of the heart of it. Because as a woman sitting in the room, if you hear that the command that God gives you biblically is to revere your husband, what in the world do you do with that? I am called biblically to revere. The word revere biblically means to be in awe of. So this is awesome. I'm sitting next to this man that hopefully that you love and that you've been walking through life with and it's amazing or, or you're single sitting in the room going, okay, so I've got to find someone, not just that's good, that meets some of my criteria, but I got to find someone I'm in awe of. This is a whole new level. I was okay with respect, like, you know, put up with, tolerate, accept the flaws. That, that's what respect means, but be in awe of, come on. That command is, is really out of, out of the way. And so then there's, there's some who go, well, this is just another example of the males, the chauvinists who wrote the Bible trying to suppress women, trying to put them down. Wives, revere your husbands. Stand in awe of your husbands. Come on. I'm not sure how you're responding to this right now, but I will tell you this, just biblically doing the word work, the title of this sermon should be wives stand in awe of your husbands. That's what the command is. And, and some of you right now are going, no, okay, where, where's the next but? Where's the next trick that you're gonna do with the scriptures and you're gonna show something that that clearly can't be what it is? I'm not. I'm not, I don't have one of those left. And, and once again, this is where I wish I was a grandmother talking to the women sitting in the church today. Because for me as a husband to say, my wife biblically should be in awe of me. Not only does it sound selfish, it sounds wrong, but it's not. 
It's not. It's what the scripture says we're to do. It's what the scripture says, wives, you are to do. You are to stand in awe of your husbands. So I ask you, wives, how are you doing at this? Let's do some evaluation, wives. Do you do a good job of revering, honoring, standing in awe of your husband? Does he feel that from you? Only you can answer that question. And I know that, no, we're treading right now. We're treading on some thin ice because some of you going, stand in awe of that, of him, what he's done, what he said, who he is. You don't know, Todd, you don't, you, you don't get it. You don't understand. Well, no, I don't. But can I explain why God would command this? There, there's a simple reason. God would command this of women uh, because marriage is a picture. It's a picture of something very important to God. It's a picture of Jesus relationship with his bride, the church. And the church should stand in awe of Jesus and who he is. And you're going, I get it, of course, yes, duh, yes, that's fine. But see, your marriage, your marriage should be a picture to a non-believer to see that relationship between God and the church. If someone doesn't know anything about Jesus, doesn't know anything about church, doesn't know anything about the Bible, they should be able to look at your marriage and get a glimpse of it, whether they can put the pieces together or not. They should be able to see that. And so wives, that's why, that's why the Bible says that you should honor, revere, stand in awe of your husband. Because when you do so, the world can see that. And they might be able to get a glimpse of Jesus and who he is. So how are you doing? How are you doing it, revering your husband? Now there's some guys in the room right now who are like, please call the band up. Like, let's, let's do this. Let's stand and respond to him. All right, who's, who's with me? Uh, but guys, no. No, we're not gonna do that. Because we glossed over a few words at the beginning of verse 33. And so wives, you need to stand in awe of your husbands. Husbands, if you desire your wives to stand in awe of you, let's read the first few words of Ephesians chapter five, verse 33. It says, however, each one of you husbands also must love his wife as he loves himself. Husbands. You are to love your wife as you love yourself. And some of you are like, done, done. Easiest thing in the world because you don't understand what the scripture is saying. I love me, I love her, we're good with it. You know, I don't really hold myself that accountable. To stuff. I, I, this is easy, love her as myself. Let's paint a different picture, okay? Let's paint a different picture. Let's go to verse 25, Ephesians 5, verse 25. Maybe a little clearer, husbands, how you're supposed to love your wives. It says, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is your command. That is what you're called to do. So wives, you are to stand in awe of your husbands. Husbands, you are to simply love your wives as Christ loves the church. So how in the world does that look? Well, that means you are to love her perfectly without mistake. You are to love her completely, 100% all of the time to where she can do nothing more or nothing less to cause you to love her any more or any less. You are to love her selflessly as yourself. You are to put her needs ahead of your own in all circumstances. You are to desire for her to succeed far beyond when you succeed. You are to love her selflessly, unconditionally, even when you don't feel like it even when she doesn't deserve it. When you're tired, when you're stressed, when the kids are going crazy, without condition, you are to love her. You are to love her purely and with purity. Men, husbands, you are to never bring trash into your marriage covenant. You are to love her with purity the kind of purity that when she looks at you, she sees Jesus. You are to love her honestly, seems simple enough, but in complete truth, with 100% transparency and vulnerability, never lying, never manipulating, never letting your words cover over your sins. Honestly, Openly, wives, nudge your husbands if you want this. You are to love your wife in a way that others can see it. Not that they'll be amazed by it. You're not showing off. But you're loving your wife in a way that the world will know. That your actions are seen. And that everybody around who's paying attention knows that man loves that woman. You are to love her by forsaking all others' fidelity. She is your wife and there are no others. She has a place in your heart that is inaccessible by any other human on this earth. You are to love her passionately pursuing her. Gentlemen, Jesus left his throne in heaven to come to earth to love us. Will you move an inch to love your wife? Will you discomfort yourself even a little to love her better? You're to pursue her. You're to love her tirelessly. It is what drives you. It is where you spend your effort. It is when you finish the day exhausted, it's because you've spent the day loving her. Love her intentionally. Jesus had a rescue plan when he came to earth. Do you have an intentional plan for how you're going to make your wife feel like the most special person on this planet? 
On Tuesday night, I spoke to a group of college students about marriage, about what a man must be at the end of that talk where I'm the person coming in as the smart guy supposed to be talking about marriage. A friend of mine came up who's been married just a little over a year. And he asked me, is there anything you intentionally do to spiritually care for your wife? Do you have a system? Do you have a plan? I've been married 12 years. I had to look him in the eye and say, no, no. But I know she desires it because she's been asking for it. I know it's something that she wants. It's something that I want, but I've never put a plan in place to give it to her. That's a travesty. My eyes have been opened to the fact that I am not loving her intentionally, yet Jesus loved us that way. And finally, you love her sacrificially, just as Jesus did, giving his life for his bride. You give your wife everything And men, if you love your wife the way that Jesus loved the church, unconditionally forsaking all others, pursuing her intentionally, sacrificially, selfishly, completely, purely, and with purity, you love her like that and she will stand in awe of you. She will honor you. She will respect you. She will fall all over herself to let the world know how awesome her husband is because her husband is a man that loves her the way Jesus loves his bride. You want your wife to respect you. You want your wife to honor you. You want your wife to stand in awe of you. Then you love her the way Jesus loved his bride. You do that and she can't help but do that back to you. You want that, you be that, gentlemen. There is no other way for you to demand that your wife stand in awe of you than to love her the way Jesus loves the church. So as we conclude today, where are you at as couples your marriage, is it, is it one filled with a husband loving his wife as Jesus loves the church? Is it one of a wife honoring and revering her husband because of how loved she is? Where are you at? And if you're sitting here going, dude, the bar's too high. Of course we're not there. I know, I know. I'm not there either. But that's no excuse to stop trying. You start step one at the source. Wives, if it's hard to revere your husband, I get it. You start by revering Jesus. You start with him. You start by loving Jesus and letting the outflow of that love pour into your marriage relationship. You start at the source. Husbands, husbands, you're not gonna be able to do that. You're not, you're not in your own power gonna be able to love your wife the way Jesus loved the church. I know you're not. So you let Jesus do it through you. You start with the source. You pray tirelessly that God will be the center of your relationship and that you will each be sustained individually by him. You start there, you make sure of this, you pray like crazy. And then finally, finally, you keep up your end of the deal. Wives, revere your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Jesus loves the church regardless of if you're getting that back or not.
You keep up your end of the deal. You do your part. And a couple things will happen. One, you will glorify God with your life. Two, you will bless yourself and the other person just by keeping your end of the deal. And three, if it all comes together perfectly, if it all comes together by the grace of God, you will have a marriage that will be such a treasure in your life. You will have a marriage that will be so fulfilling that you will experience a blessing on this earth that many will never, ever know. And I want that for you. I want that for your marriage. I want that for my marriage. But you gotta keep up your end of the deal. We're gonna have people in the room today will pray with you. We're gonna have communion set up in the room. Uh, husbands, wives, you need to probably take communion together today to remember the source, Jesus, to remember his love for you. It'd be a beautiful, beautiful way to start something new in your marriage today. If you wanna pray with someone individually, as a couple, we wanna pray with you. If you need us to know that you need help, that your marriage is in crisis, if you need us to know that, grab a prayer card, fill it out, put it in the offering box in the back of the room and someone will reach out to you. We can't fix everything, but you have to admit that something's broken before anything will ever be fixed. Wives, honor your husbands, stand in awe of them. Husbands, love your wives like Jesus so she can. Church, Marriage is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's one of the ways that God reveals himself to his people. So I wanna be a church full of healthy marriages. So let's press into him and into hard conversations. And let's be today for God what he's called us to be. Father, I thank you so much for this moment. I thank you for this day. I thank you for the marriages that are in this room. I pray your healing mercy upon those that are fractured and broken. I pray that you will pour out your spirit to allow each and every person in this room to know better what it looks like to stand in awe of their spouse or to love their spouse as Jesus loves the church. I pray that every single person in this room would be filled to the point of overflowing by the love that they have experienced in you, Jesus, that they would feel complete, God, because of who you are. I pray that this church will be transformed from the inside out by your Holy Spirit and by us acknowledging our need for healthy marriages. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.